here and, and told me that 2019 would be a year of the supernatural. It would be a year when the supernatural becomes like our uh, new natural, just meaning that we'll operate in it, we'll walk in it, we'll, uh, we'll experience the supernatural just like, it was, uh, just like it was natural to us, which it should be. And we've looked at different aspects of the supernatural, and, and really we've classified the supernatural. If you boil it down just into the simplest form, I think I was thinking of this this week about you know just the simplest definition of the supernatural that I could think of, and and uh, and and I think I believe that the simplest way you can that I can describe the supernatural, what we're trying to get across to um, you know to us, the revelation we're trying to get is just simply this: that it's the supernatural is any time that you let God be involved in your life. You know, because we can do things we and we've talked about this about how you can do things in the natural without God. You know, and the sad reality is, and it's kind of a sad thing, you know, you could actually, most people could actually live their life and, and it would be pretty close to the way it is right now, even if God wasn't involved in their life. Because they, because they really and truly don't involve God in, in, in a lot of the areas of their life. So they could live their life without, you know, without the influence of God or without the... Um, you know, without the realization of God in their life, so to speak, and it not even phase them. But really, our lives should be our lives should be so supernatural and so dependent upon God that if God's not involved in our life, we we would we would be lost. You know, we wouldn't know how to act. We wouldn't know what to do if God if we didn't listen and we didn't have God giving us influence and giving us you know speaking to us and talking to us and 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 leading us through His Word and through His Holy Spirit and. And, you know, so, you know, and so we've looked at different aspects of that, and we've talked about how the, the, the main way that we're going to live in the supernatural is by faith. It, we can't receive anything from God without faith. You know, the Bible says that it's actually, it's actually impossible to please God without faith. So if we're going to be, if we're going to be pleasing to God and we're going to receive from God, then we're going to have to live a life of faith. The Bible says three or four times, you know, that the just live by faith. You know, so the upright, the righteous, they live by faith. So if we're going to be, if we're going to be pleasing to God and, and, and receive the things God wants us to do, to have, I should say, then we're going to have to live our life by faith. And that's putting trust in Him and depending on Him more than anything else in our lives. So we, we talked, we spent a lot, a good deal of time talking about faith. Last week we kind of shifted gears a little bit and, and started talking about another aspect and it's just as important and it's really a big part of faith. Really, it's, it's not really, we didn't change subjects because, because our words, uh, really you can't have faith without words. You know, if you, if you're gonna have faith, you know, uh, I love Mark Hankins. He's got all these little nuggets that he that he uh, that he says all the time. But but Mark Hankins says this, and, and I've always remembered this. He said that if your faith is not strong enough to move your tongue, it'll never move your mountain. Amen. You know, in other words, if if you don't have enough faith, if you don't have enough belief to speak to your mountain, to speak to your problem, to to use your to use your words to 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 say something, then your problem will always be there. You know, and we're going to show you today about how, you know, we're going to look at some different aspects of, of our words, and really we're going to look at some aspects of, of really uh, how God spoke. And, you know, if, if we're made in His image, then we should be saying the same things He's saying. We talk about that a lot, about, about you know, seeing things the way God sees it, 
saying things the way God says. You know, if you look at the life of Jesus, there was three or four times in the New Testament that he, that he uses verbiage like this and words like this. But Jesus would say things like, the things you see me doing, they're not, I'm, not, I'm not just the one, I'm not doing it on my own accord. He said, I don't say anything that I don't hear the Father say. You know, when he was talking about his actions, he said the same thing. He said, I don't do anything except I see the Father do it. You know, so Jesus was totally dependent upon, upon his relationship with his Heavenly Father. He didn't say anything or he didn't do anything if he didn't hear or see the Father do it first. And that, and you know, and Jesus was, the Bible says Jesus was our example. So if Jesus lived like that, then we should too. Amen. You know, understanding, now listen, understanding the power of your words, we, we must understand that the power of our words is the key to our destiny. You know, it's the key to our destiny, the power, our words. We have to start saying things the way God says them. And we have to start lining our words up. Um, you know, and here's another little thing. We have, to start, we have to learn how to speak the promise and not the problem. You know, it's easy, and, and you see it all the time. Everybody, everybody loves to speak about the problem. But for every problem you have, God has given you a promise. And we have to start learning that if we're gonna, if we're gonna start acting like God, if we're gonna start, you know, speaking like God and talking like Him and, and to where we can receive the best from Him, you know, I, I would, I would say that, that better than anybody, Jesus demonstrated what it was like to speak the same way God speaks. And when you look at the life of Jesus, we could say this, that He got what He wanted to get every time He spoke. You know, and if that's the case, then, then that tells us he was our example. So that tells us we can have the same kind of results. The, the issue is not necessarily, the issue is not necessarily knowledge as, you know, as, you know, you guys, some of you guys have been with us, you know, our church is 15 years old. Some of you have been with us from the very beginning. You guys have heard all kinds of sermons. You have all kinds of knowledge. It's not just knowledge that changes you. You know, you have to learn how to apply that knowledge, and you also have to learn how to release it. And we release faith, we release the things of God. One of the major ways, we, last year we spent the first, I don't know, four or five months on faith, and, and one of the things we learned, and we, we drove home during that time, was that one of the major ways we, we release our faith is through our words. And we have to speak, we have to learn to say the same things that, that God says. And, and here's, you know, if you go all the way back, think, think with me, go, go all the way back to, to creation, Genesis 1. You can go back and read Genesis 1, and not one time do we find that God is talking about the problem. Genesis 1, we won't take the time to read it, but you know, this, you know the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the face of the earth, over the, over the, the expansion there. And then, you know, it says, and it says, it just simply says this. When God spoke, He didn't say, oh boy, it sure is dark down there. Boy, I wish, I wish somebody would do something about that darkness. He didn't say, ooh, you know, that's a scary place. What did God say? God very simply just said this. Light be. Let there be light. And you know what? Light came. 
Now, is a whole another side side story to that. But you know, when he, the, in Genesis one three or four, there when he said that, that wasn't the sun. That light was glory. <laughs> that light was his presence. In other words, you know, because it was like what day six that he or day five or something like that that he created the sun and the moon. You know. He he just he just said there was darkness, and then he said light be or light, let there be light, and he spoke what he wanted to see as a result. He didn't speak the problem; he just spoke the answer. And see, and how many of us? How many of us speak more about the answer than the problem? I, I, you know, I don't see many hands, and I would say that that's true of all of us that most of us speak a whole lot more about the problem than we do the answer. So we have, to start, we have to start changing the way we talk. We have to start seeing things and talking. Um, you know, because, listen, we're going, if we're going to go into a place where the supernatural is natural to us, then that's the, the only way we're going to do that is to start saying things and seeing things the way God says them and sees them. It's the only way that's going to happen. You know, whatever, now listen, whatever God is going to deliver into your hands is going to have to be declared with your mouth. Let me say that again because that's, that's a, I mean, that's a good point right there. Whatever God is going to deliver into your hands or whatever He's going to put into your hands first will have to be declared with your mouth. In other words, if your words don't line up with what God says, and what God wants to do, then you'll never get what God wants to get you. You know, because the listen, God has already provided everything we will ever need. You know, on the cross, He paid for every, Jesus paid for everything on the cross. So all of our provision, all of our healing, all of I mean, everything we need is already provided. And and then people always ask, well, why don't I have it? Well, one of the major reasons, and there, there's probably more than a handful of them. But one of the major things is because we're not saying the right things. We're not agreeing with God. And I'll show you some, I want to show you a couple, three or four really good examples this morning of this. You know, um, where did I tell you to turn? Romans? Uh, Romans 3.27. This is the, the law of faith. How many of you know that, that faith is not just a fad, but the Bible says that there's actually a law of faith. And if you read Genesis, or I mean Romans chapter three, and let's just pick up in, uh, well, let's just pick up in verse twenty-one. We'll read this pretty quick. Romans three twenty-one says this: "But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith." Uh, which is, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference. Now listen to this. Notice that what he said. The righteousness of God is by the faith of Jesus Christ. You realize the faith that you have is His faith. It's not even really your faith. He gave you His faith so that you could believe like Him. In Mark 11, when Jesus, when Jesus told them, have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith, what he was telling them was what they already had. He was just telling them, use what you've already got. He goes on, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace through this redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation or the sacrifice through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are, uh, that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now there's a lot in there, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get to verse 27. I'm setting this up so we can get down here. Verse 26 goes on to say, To, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Then verse 27 sums all this up and it just says this, Where is the boasting then? Is it, it is excluded. By what law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. In other words, what he was saying was this, summing it all up. He just simply said this, The only way you're going to receive the things of God is by faith. You, you'll never be able to stand in front of God and say, but God, I did all these good works. I deserve to go to heaven. God will not accept that. I don't care how many good works you do. I don't care how much money you give. I don't care how many times you went into a church door and sat in church services. If you never missed a service, that doesn't matter. Now, those are important things. But to God, that doesn't matter. because Why? Because He tells us that to receive anything from Him, it has to be by faith. And if it's going to be by faith, then we have to understand the law of faith, right? We have to understand... He said, you know, you're not going to boast before God saying, look what I've done, God. But you're going to, when you get before God, it's going to be simply, you know... You know why? You know you always hear the the classic example of you know when you if you were standing before Peter at the pearly gates, what would you tell him? You know why why do you deserve to get to heaven? Well, the answer is none of us deserve to go to heaven, but it's only by the grace of God and because of what Jesus did for us, and because I believe what he did what he did on the cross, he did for me. That's the only access I have to heaven is that I simply believed what God did for me. And what Jesus did for me on the cross. By faith, I received that, right? It's not, it's not, well, I pastored and I preached this many sermons and I did this and I did that and, and I, you know, I, 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 I. I don't cut it with God. <laughs> Amen. You know, I mean, it's all about faith. So the law of faith, the law of faith just simply says that, you know, we have to put our trust in Him. And we have to believe in Him. That's the only way. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. It's not, it's not by any other way, but by simply believing on Jesus Christ. Right? So now, so where do our, how, do, how do our words come into that? And Because we have to say the same thing that God says. The Bible says we believe in our heart that Jesus was crucified, and we, we believe in our heart, and then what? We speak it with our mouth. You know, the Bible says you believe in your heart and confession is made unto salvation. If you believe and then you speak, then that's how salvation comes. So our words matter. Turn, for example, let me show you a couple classic examples here. Judges chapter 6. We're going to look at two examples in the Old Testament and then we're going to look at two examples in the New Testament. So we're going to do this real quick. Judges chapter 6 is the story of Gideon. We all know the story of Gideon. Um, you know, the Midianites had captured the, the, the nation of Israel and they were in bondage to them. They, they would come down and raid, the, raid their food supplies and they were, you know, just, you know, basically the Israelites were in, in captivity to the Midianites. And, you know, so here we, and then all of a sudden it says that, that a prophet is sent 
to the to the to Israel in verse number ten, and the uh, prophet comes in and says, uh, is talking to Israel. And he says, and I said unto you, well, let's see, let me find where. Uh, look at verse number eight, Get, or Judges six, verse number eight. It says, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I, de- and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you. And I drove them out before you. And I gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. So what does that tell us they did? They feared. They got into fear and they let fear rob them of the, of the promise that God had given them. And so they came back under captivity. They, they started serving other gods. They come back under captivity. So then it says, There came an angel of the Lord, in verse 11, and sat down under an oak tree, which is in Ophrah, and that, that pertained unto Joash. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, appeared unto Gideon, and he said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, stop right there just for a minute. How did God see Gideon? God God saw Gideon as a warrior, as a mighty man of valor. He saw Gideon, he said, God is with you, and you are a mighty man of valor. That word valor just means, you can say it, we can shorten that up and just say, you're a warrior. (laughs) You know, God said, "You, you you are the man, is what God was telling him. But notice what Gideon said. Gideon said unto the angel, he said, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us... Now notice the first thing he said was if. If the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen on us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. And He's delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Notice what he's doing. He is, he is speaking almost identically opposite of what God told him. God said, you are a warrior. And he said, God's with you. And Gideon, Gideon jumped up and said, if God be with us, then he said, then where's the miracles my dad, mom and dad told me about? He said, no, God's forsaken us. Man, that's pretty bold, isn't it? What he was doing was this. Gideon was disqualifying himself from what God, how God was seeing him. Because if Gideon doesn't change the way he sees himself, he will never become the mighty man of valor that God, the way God sees him. So the angel once again speaks to him. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this your might, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? He told him, he said, did I not tell you that I'm with you? Have I not sent you, Gideon? Go in this your might, your strength. And Gideon said, Gideon answered and said, He said, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my father is poor in, in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Once again, disqualifying himself. saying, I, What Gideon was saying was basically this, God, I don't see myself the way you see me. So, since I don't see myself the way you see me, then I can't do the things that you've called me to do. 
You said, I'm going to save Israel? God, I'm the poorest of the poor. My dad was poor, and I'm the poorest in my house. And you say, I'm going to save Israel? Now, you know, now, so many times we, we do this so much, we look at this and think, man, Gideon, Gideon shouldn't have been saying all that stuff. You know, Gideon shouldn't have been disrespecting God like that. You know, he was, he was really just up in the face of God. Well, how many of us do that? God, I can't speak to that person. Well, how embarrassed would I be if I walked up to somebody in Walmart and told them God loved them? Aren't we doing the same thing? God, who am I? Who am I to, to do what you called me to do? God, you know me. I, that's not my nature. God, that's not who I am. Well, God, I don't have enough money to put, to put more money in the offering. God, I can't, I can't go to that meeting. God, I can't, you know, I can't pray that much. I got, you know I've got to watch my TV programs. <laughs> if only the Bible was written in the 21st century, right? right? The angel spoke to him again, verse 16. The Lord said unto him, Surely... I will be with you, and you will smite the Midianites as one man. And Gideon said, if I found grace in your sight, then show me a sign that you talk with me. Now we can go on and read, you know the rest of the story. He, he throws out fleeces and he does different things. But eventually, eventually God gets Gideon to the point to where he can use him. And Gideon had to start saying the same thing about himself that God was saying. You know, because here, the, when, when the angel first showed up to Gideon, he wasn't saying the same thing God was saying. He was, he was offering him every excuse in the book why he couldn't do it. Well, God, you, you know, oh my Lord, you know. God, you know, if, well, you know, why, if, if this is true, then why, why, why? If this is true, then, then, you know, I'm the poorest of the poor. You can't expect me to do that. But eventually, God got him to where he could use Gideon. And he defeated, the, you know the story about how he started out with like, I don't know, 17,000 men or something and ended up going down, all the way down to like 300 men and 300 men defeated a whole army. And God got all of the glory. It wasn't, it, no, no man got the glory in that. God got all of the glory. You, we have to learn that we can't be like Gideon here at the beginning where, where we offer God every excuse in the book why we can't do or why we're not who God says we are. We've got to put our fear down. We've got to put our, we've got to put our insecurities down. And we've got, to, we've got to start saying the same thing that God says about us. We've got to start saying, God, if you've called me a mighty warrior, then a mighty warrior I'll be. God, if you said I'll strike the Midianites down, then with you, I can do it. And then we need to step out and, and do that. Turn to 1 Samuel. Let me show you another example here. I'm just, I'm just, I just wanted to kind of lay a foundation for this. 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 17. I want to show you a contrast to this. You see, because listen, when God calls you, He appoints you. And when He appoints you, He anoints you. <laughs> and when He anoints you and positions you, there's nobody that can stop you. 
That's what he was trying to get through to Gideon. He called Gideon. He was calling him, telling him, I've appointed you to do this. And if I've appointed you to do this, then I'm going to anoint you to do this. And if I've anointed you to do this, then nobody can stop you. You know, that's where he was, that's where he was trying to get Gideon. And aren't you glad? Listen. Aren't you glad? I'm so glad that things like this are in the Bible where God had to speak to Gideon five or six times. Because how many times has he had to get through to us before it gets through our hard heads? You know, how many times does he have to, you know, come to us saying, hey, this is who I see you as. Oh, God, you know, and we do like Gideon, oh, my Lord. You know, here we go again. God, that's not who I am. I can't do this. I can't do... No, if God said it, then you need to start saying what God says about you. You find the promise in the Word and you say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, that's who, that's who I'll be with you on my side. 1 Samuel 17, and we won't take the time to read this whole story. We'll pick up in verse 45. But this is the story of David and Goliath. And you know the story. I mean, David, you know, his, his, son, his dad. Now listen, by this time, David had already been anointed king. You know, he, he had already been anointed king by this time. And so, so he, was, he was preparing to be king, but he was doing it in the in the uh, in the pastures of of watching his dad's sheep and he wasn't even old enough to go into battle and his dad calls him up one day and says hey go check on the boys go check on my other kids he said take some cheese and some bread and go see how the war's going going so david shows up and he gets to the camp and they're all on one side and the the you know the uh the the army's on the other side facing them and then all of a sudden, while, while David's just checking things out, here comes this big old giant, Goliath, out in the middle of the field. And he starts cursing God. And starts belittling Israel. And starts throwing all these accusations, and all these, you know, just talking down. And David's like, you know, and, and the Bible says that all of the, the whole army of Israel were shaking in their armor. You could hear, when, when Goliath stepped out on the battlefield, you could hear rattling going on in the, in the camp of Israel, and it was their armor shaking. And it says they went and hid in their tents. And David heard him, and David's like, who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is? Cursing my God like that. And he did it again. You know, the Philistine, the Goliath come out and said something else. And David went to somebody else. Said, said come on, who's one, somebody go out there and smack him. You know, what's he doing talking about God like that? Well, finally, eventually, somebody, some word got back to the king and said, there's a young shepherd boy out here that's talking like he could take this guy. And the king, and Saul said, bring him here. Who is he? Because nobody else was stepping up. And David and, da- and, and David came in the king's presence, and David said, "said Boy, what's going on?" And David started talking to him. Now I'm paraphrasing all this. David said, "David said, well, this unfl- uncircumcised Philistine came out here and talking trash about God. And said God's on our side; He's not on their side. And if God's on our side, we anybody can whip Him." And David, David or Saul was kind of like, "Now, son, you understand how big he is." And David's like, I, "He said, listen, let me tell you. I was out. He said, I was out the other day, and there was a bear come out of the woods and tried to take a sheep. He said, I grabbed that bear by the chin, and I, I, I took care of that thing with my bare hands. And he said, another time a lion came out, and he said, I grabbed that lion and I just, I choked it right there with my hands. He said it ain't taking my sheep. And he said, he said that uncircumcised Philistine ain't nothing but like that. He said, I ain't afraid of him." 
So Saul said, boy, go out there and fight him. And he said, here, take my armor. And Saul was a tall guy. The Bible says he was head and shoulders above everybody. So when he put the armor on David, you could imagine it's like a son putting on his dad's clothes, you know, when he was a little baby, you know, just a little toddler, walking around in big old things. And David's like, man, I can't do this. So he, he, gave, he said, I haven't proven this armor. He said, let me go do it the way I know to do it. And he, the Bible says he went down to the stream, picked out five stones. Goliath had four brothers. And he, David said, if his brothers come after me, I'll have something for them too. So he, he put them stones in his bag. And, and the Bible didn't say that he tiptoed toward Goliath. The Bible says he ran toward Goliath. Now listen, now, now compare the way David talked here, what I'm getting ready to show you, to what Gideon said. The angel showed up to Gideon and said, you know, you're a mighty man of valor. Now this is an angel. Think, think about this. An angel showed up to Gideon talking to him like this, and Gideon's trying to talk his way out of it. Here, David just has a knowing of who he is. And David has an understanding of what God will do for him because God's on his side. And David, look at these verses here. So, so David in verse 45 says this to, to, to Goliath. And this is 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. It says, Then said David unto the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you, and I'll take your head from you. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now notice what he said. David didn't say, he didn't do like a lot of us and say, one day, you know, usually if somebody says one day, they're doing it running away from somebody. One day I'll get you. One, I'll come back one day. You wait. They're running the other way. What was David doing? David ran and he said, this day. Amen. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about when faith is? Now. now. David was saying, now. You've defiled, you defiled my God. I'll show you right now who, who God really is. And this day, I will take your head off. You know what? Some of you need to stand up to your giants this morning. You need to look them straight in, the, straight in the eyes and say, this day, your head is coming off. I'm not, letting you, I'm not letting you scare me anymore. I'm not letting fear take away my joy. I'm not letting fear take away you know, my life. No, this day, it ends right here. Faith. But now notice, Gideon, Gideon really tried to disqualify himself. David was just agreeing with what God said. David just said, listen. He said, he said, that, he said you defiled God. He said, I'll, he said, today, God is going to show you who He is. And, and David was so confident. He didn't say, he didn't say just you. He said, he said, I'm going to give the carcasses of all the Philistines. He said, you're not only going down, your whole army's going down. <laughs> Amen. So he he would listen. He would he would take care. He took care of it. what David was doing was exactly what God did in the beginning. David didn't come up and say. Now David did say. He said, "You come to me with a shield and a sword 
and a spear. But he didn't say, oh, your spear's so heavy. Oh, your shield's so big. Oh, if I only had something to get through that, I'd be all right. That's not what he did. He, he acknowledged, hey, you, you're a pretty big dude. You've got some pretty good armor on you. But I want you to know this. I've got God on my side. And this day, right now, your head's coming off. And the Bible says he ran toward Goliath. And he slung that stone. And man, I, I mean, I believe the Holy Ghost just blew on that stone a little bit. And it just sunk right in his forehead. The one place that he didn't have any, any armor was right between his eyes. And that, that stone sunk right in his forehead, the Bible said. And he fell. And David took, David took Goliath's own sword. The thing that Goliath was going to use to kill him, David took his sword and cut his head off. It's time that we take the, what the enemy meant for evil, that we take it and we use it against him. Come on, this day. This day, things is changing. This day. Today, we're walking in faith. Today, things are changing in my life. Well, now, Pastor, I just don't know. Quit, Gideon. It's, it's time that we rise up like David. And that we don't need God to convince us, you know, 15 times to say the right thing. It's time that we stand up and say, God, I'll agree with what you say. I'll believe your word. Yeah, and all the nations, oh yeah, but what about all those times it didn't? Well, I ain't worried about all the times it didn't work. You know, you know how many times David missed, missed animals when he, was, when he was slinging rocks and stuff when he first started? Well, I mean, I'm sure he, I mean, David had to be skilled at, you know, he had to learn how to use that sling. So what I'm saying is sometimes David may have missed when he first started learning. But you know what? The more he did it, the more skilled he became. And the more skilled he became, the more confident he became. The more confident he became, the more God was able to use him. Until this day shows up and he just, he, he just goes on an errand for his dad having no idea that he was getting ready to slay a giant. But yet the opportunity presented itself and David was ready. David had confidence. David knew who his God was. And he was able to say, this day, your head's coming off. Amen. Amen. Now, that's the pattern. Listen, the pattern, God gave us the pattern all the way from in Genesis. We talked about that. When God said, he, he saw the darkness and He just said, light be. Let there be light. David saw the giant and he simply said, today the giant, you're falling, your head's coming off. Gideon, it took Gideon a little while, but we know that God was able to use Gideon. And, you know, and, and eventually God was able to use him and, and, and you know, Gideon was a, did become a mighty warrior for God. One of the best judges that Israel had. So let's look at how Jesus did this. Turn with me real quick to Mark chapter 4. I want to show you two examples here. Mark chapter 4. Just two quick examples. And man, we could give you a bunch of them here, but, but this, is, uh, this is just two, two good examples. Very clear that we see this. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. <clears throat> Mark four thirty-five. The same day, when the evening was come, He said unto them, He said unto His disciples, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they, were, when they had uh, sent the multitude away, they took Jesus, even as He was, into the ship. And there were also with Him other little ships. 
And there arose a great storm of wind. The waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Man, in other words, it was sinking. The ship was going down. But Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now, man, I, I have, I have, sometimes I get mad at the disciples when I think of this. You know, here Jesus was, you know, come down from heaven, gave up everything in heaven, and came down and lived their life, and here the disciples accused Jesus of not caring. You don't care that we're perishing? Well, what they forgot to think about was he was perishing too. If they went down, he was going down. Right? So it says that it said that it, you know that he was asleep and this storm came up. Now listen, they didn't go get Jesus when the first wave hit them or the second wave hit them. They waited until the ship was full. In other words, I would I would almost bet that Jesus may have even been floating on that mattress he was laying on. The ship was full. And they went and they 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 went and nudged him and could you imagine the discussion? You go wake him up. No, you go wake him up. No, you I ain't waking him up, you wake him up. But finally one of them got brave enough to go wake him up and they said, Master, don't you care that we're drowning? Don't you care that we're perishing? Notice what Jesus said here. And he arose and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I love the message translation. Put the message up there. In verse 39, the message said this, Awake now, he told the wind to pipe down, and he said to the sea, Quiet, settle down. The wind ran out of breath, and the sea became smooth as glass. Man, isn't that awesome? But Jesus, Jesus came in and he said, he said, listen, I mean, they woke him up and they said, We're perishing, the storm's so great, and, and all this is terrible. And Jesus simply got up, he rebuked the wind and he spoke to the storm. And, and the message says that the wind ran out of breath and the sea became... Now, put yourself... I love, to, I love to put these pictures. Put yourself in that boat that day. How many of you have ever been on a, a, a boat when it's really rough? Rough sea or rough... You know, and man, I mean, you know, that thing's jumping up and down and crashing and the waves crashing. I mean, man, I, I'm not that great of a swimmer, so I, those things like that terrify me. I, don't, I wouldn't want to be on a ship that's going down, you know. I mean, because I'd be in trouble. But, but here, these guys, you know, you're, you're here in this. I mean, these are professional. Most of these guys are professional fishermen. The majority of these guys are. They, they're used to being on the sea. They're used to being on the water. And they're terrified. Because they think they're going down. They think the, they think the boat is, is sinking. So this must have been a pretty bad storm. And in the middle of this, they wake Jesus up. I can just see him, you know, oh man, I can't believe you woke me up for this. He gets up on the, on the top of the boat and says, says he, he rebuked the wind and said, cease, be calm. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, maybe they were up on a high wave when this happened. All of a sudden, that boat came back down. Whew! The wind stopped. The sea didn't have a ripple in it. Where just a second ago, the boat was getting ready to sink. No wind, no waves, not a sound. And I can see those disciples looking at each other like, what just happened? 
Can you believe that? As a matter of fact, you read the rest of it. It said this, Jesus said unto them, verse 40, says, Jesus said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Verse 41 says, And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? But notice what Jesus did. He did the same thing that God did in the very beginning. He didn't get up and say, Oh boy, these are big waves. Hold on, boys. This don't look good. He didn't talk the problem. What did he do? He told the sea to be still. He told the wind to pipe down. What did he do? He spoke the answer, not the problem. But now listen, let me tell you what the devil does. Here's what the devil will do. He will put pressure on you. The devil will put pressure on you so that you will say what he wants you to say so that he has a right to do what he wants to do to you. You see, because if Jesus had got up that day and said, Oh boy, these waves are too big. I can't do nothing about this. Then you know what? He wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. Oh boy, the doctor said this. I guess I, I guess we'll just have to do. I guess we'll just have to sit here and wait and let this what the doctor said happens. Oh boy, the bank said there wasn't no way this could happen. I guess we'll just have to wait till another time. You see, the devil will put pressure on you. The world will put pressure on you. The, your family will put pressure on you to say things that go against what God's Word says. Now, they won't come out and say, oh, speak, speak negative from the Word. They won't say that. But, but, but listen, people know. The, the world knows what to get you to say. The enemy knows how to get you to say certain things so that, you, so that the enemy will have a right to come into your life. But see, listen, if you will say what God says, if you will agree with what He says, then guess what? It takes all the power away from the enemy. The only, the only way, I love Bill Johnson talks about this, but he says this, if you believe, he says, when you believe a lie, you empower the liar. So when you believe something opposite of what God says, then all of a sudden you've empowered your enemy. You've given him the power to do the very thing that you fear. We don't have time. Listen, we cannot afford to have one thought in our head that goes against what God thinks about us. We, we cannot afford to say one thing about our life that God doesn't say about our life. No more of this, oh my Lord, you know, that's not me. Oh my Lord, I'm the weakest, I'm the poorest, I'm, the, I'm this, I'm that, given every excuse. No more time for that. If we're going to walk in the supernatural and be the supernatural people God wants us to be, it's time that we step up and say, Today, this day, you are falling. This day, mountain, you're, you're gone, you're moved. This day, I've, it finished, it ends today. It's a choice we have. Are we speaking? Are we talking like the world, or are we talking like God? One more, one more example. Look at uh, Luke seventeen. Luke chapter seventeen. 
just one verse here. I was just doing some cross-referencing and just came across this one verse. And I mean, this was awesome, just this one verse. You know, here Jesus is actually teaching about forgiveness. <clears throat> and he's talking to his disciples about forgiveness in the first couple of verses. And this is where he says, you know, he says, if, if somebody trespasses you seven times in a day and seven times in a day turns to you again and says, repent, you'll forgive him. You know, the disciples had asked him in the first of that, you know, uh, the disciples were talking to him about, uh, about forgiveness and about, you know, Jesus says, listen, it's impossible that offenses will come to you. I mean, they're gonna, you're going to have opportunity. But God says you've got to forgive, right? But then, but then in the middle of that, right after he said that, the, the apostles in verse 5, they said, and the apostles said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. So in other words, they're like, man, this is hard talking about forgiveness. You know, how can we forgive people? How can I forgive what they did to me? And the disciples, when Jesus was talking about forgiveness, they said, Lord, increase our faith. Help us to believe this. But look what Jesus said in verse 6. Luke 17, verse 6. He said this, And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, and we all know a mustard seed is the smallest seed, one of the smallest seeds there is. We, matter of fact, one time I passed out mustard seed. I've got some on my desk right now in a little bowl there, just some mustard, real little, just little bitty things. Jesus said, if you had the faith, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, now listen, listen to what he said. You might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. A little side note there. You know, you know why I used a sycamine tree? Anybody know? Because I'm sick of mine. You sick of yours? <laughs> Amen. All right, let me get back to this. <clears throat> Jesus said, Jesus said, if you had, he said, if you just had a little, he said, if you had faith like a like a mustard seed, he said, if you had faith of a mustard seed, he said, you would say to this tree, you would say to this mountain, you would say. You see how he connected faith and saying? He said, if you had just a little bit of faith, you would be moving your mouth saying what I say about this. And he said, and, he said, and if you had just that, a little bit of faith, when you say to this, this problem in front of you, get up and get out of here. He said, it will obey you. I like the, the Living Bible says this. He says, your command would bring immediate results. If you, had, if you had just a little bit of faith, your command would bring immediate results. David, this day, your head's coming off. Now, faith is. You see, guys, listen. If we're going to walk in the supernatural, faith has to be now. It has to be, we have to use our words to say what God says. It's time that we stop it's time that we stop talking the problem and start talking the promise. It's time we stop letting, letting everything in His brother dictate what we say and we start letting the Word dictate what we say. And it's time we start saying what God says. Amen? And when we do that, just like the Living Bible says in that, in that, trans, or in that passage there, then when we speak the Word we'll get immediate results. 
Now, see, I, I just in, in my spirit, I heard people say, oh, "Well, Pastor, that ain't never worked before." Stop, Gideon. Start being David. Start saying no today. This, this, my words carry power because I believe today. Yeah, it may have, it may not have worked a hundred times before, but that don't mean today you don't have faith. Amen. Babe Ruth, you know, he he had the he had the the greatest you know or the home run record for years, you know, in baseball. And everybody said it would never be broken, and eventually it was. But but you know, but Babe Ruth, he had yeah, he had the home run record. But you know what what other record he had too? Strikeouts. He struck out the most, but he also hit the most home runs. Listen, every ball that you that you don't swing at, you'll never hit. Every shot that you don't take, you'll never make. And every time you refuse to speak what God says, you'll never see what God, what God has for you. Every time you say something opposite of what God says, you'll never see what God wants you to have. But today, faith, now, it can start today. You can walk in the supernatural. You can let God have, have more of an influence in your life than anything else. And you can start receiving the things that God has for you. you. You can start seeing the promises that He has for you. And you can see it now, today. Amen? And it starts with saying the same thing that God says. Agreeing with God. Finding Scripture. Whatever it is you need today. Whatever it is. If you need healing or, or deliverance or salvation or... Find whatever it is you need today. Find scripture on it and agree and say what God says about it. Well, Pastor, that's I, you know, that's just not who I am. Well, that's who you can be if He's promised it to you, and that's who He wants you to be. You just have to agree with Him. Amen. It's simple, but it's hard. <laughs> Because you know what? We've all, been, we've all been trained. We've all been trained to say the negative. Amen? We've all been trained to say the worst. We've all been trained to talk the problem and not the promise. We have to retrain ourselves. We have to renew our minds. We have to retrain our tongue to where, to where we say the same thing that God says. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Thank you, Father. Lord, help us today. Lord, help each one of us. Lord, I know, I, I have no doubt, I have no doubt that everybody in here today needed this message. Lord, we all, we all need to learn to have better control of our tongues, to say what you say about a problem and not what the world says or not just what we see or, or whatever the case may be, but to say what you say. So thank you, Father, for that revelation. Thank you that that's going deep in our, into our spirits, deep into, into our very inner being, Lord, and that, that, that we can all learn to, to say and to agree with you so that we can see more results like you would have us to see and you, that you want us to see. So I thank you for that, Lord. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says, you know, one of the first things that you've got to use confession for, use your words for, is for salvation. You know, the Bible says that, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. So the first thing that you use your, your words for is salvation. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, there'd be no greater day than today than for you to receive Him as your Savior. It's the greatest, the greatest decision you'll ever make. And, and, you know, and, and all of us one day will, will come to a time when either Jesus returns or we go to meet Him, you know, that where we'll stand before Him and we'll give an account for the decision whether we accepted Him or whether we didn't. So there's no greater day than today to accept Him as your Savior. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, I've, I've never, I've, I don't have a relationship with Him, but man, I sure would like to give my life to Him today. Would you just slip your hand up? I'd love to be able to pray for you. love to be able to, to share the gospel with you and just share how much God loves you because he, he does love you. Anybody at all? I don't see any hands. So let's stand to our feet. If, um, you know, if you're here today and you need prayer, Stacy and I would love to be able to pray with you. If, if you need prayer for anything, then we'd love to invite you down and, and, uh, just, and if you want us to pray with you and agree with you. We've got some folks, um, you know, that we got a lot of folks out of town today uh, that are traveling back, we, and, you know, so we need to pray for safety and a lot of the rain and flooding in Tennessee and stuff, and people are, we got four or five families right in the middle of that, and, uh, you know, praying, praying for safety for them coming back and, um, you know, got some people having surgery this week, so be praying for your church family, and I know, I know they would all appreciate that. But if you need prayer for anything, Stacy, I'd love to be able to, to pray with you. Remember tonight we have our leadership meeting at five. Uh, if you want, you know, if you're in leadership, you know that. But if you want to be a part, if you want to get more involved, we invite you to come, and and uh, we'll be meeting at five. We've got some vegetable beef soup that we're going to be feeding you. So if nothing else, you can come and enjoy a good bowl of Tanya's soup. Amen. It's good. So. But, uh, but we're going to have the leadership meeting at 5 tonight here in the gym. So, uh, so everybody in leadership, make sure you come back for that. Well, listen, I love you guys. God bless you all. Hope you have a great day, and we'll see everybody later this week. Have a great day.
church hat clap Man, that sugar gave your color purple Coming back clap, uh When that whole week beat you up and stress you But you hear that organ playing And remind you of your blessings And on another note, she just hit another note Chill by my spine, got me crying Make me overload, you don't know if that is dope Old school church hymn Deacons get the humming out of drum up in the first hand Can you hear me now? Church close, swear they don't care you Church clap, but ain't a clap in the heavens. In 